0: Hey guys, it's James Chester here You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast By underagaslitlamp.com Gather Round the Lamp, an
1: Aston Villa podcast Oli Watkins just gets away from him But El Ghazi's behind him And more El Ghazi! 3-0! Emphatic!
0: Traore with Watkins available Traore just passes it into the corner Big moment for him it's Young,
2: ground full side, he's slicing it to
1: the net. Here's Douglas the Luiz, strong on the ball, opens up for John McGinn, plays the pass towards Watkins, 1-0 Villa. loves a big clap mate. Hello and welcome back to Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by underagaslitlamp.com in association with Manscaped. Today we'll be looking back at the major talking points from the Chelsea defeat before looking forward to our home match with Everton. And our second trip to Stamford Bridge in 10 days when we face Chelsea again in the Carabao Cup next week. I'm Andy and today I'm joined by Craig and again it's a big welcome back to Dan. Hello Andy,
2: hello Dan. Uh, I am Craig. You can follow me on Twitter at Craig Storod for my general Aston Villa musings and a little bit of everything else. Um Tricky one today, a tricky 3-0 defeat, but delighted to welcome back our brother from another mother, Daniel Betridge.
0: Hey gents, hi listener. Um, good to be back, I've missed you all. How you been? Be- better now you're here. Yeah, pretty good.
1: Pretty good, thanks.
0: Um, oh, you say the nicest things. Shame we're not talking about
1: a victory though, it's uh, a rough one in places this week. Absolutely, and we'll we'll get onto that straight away, Um it was always going to be a, a tough test on Saturday as Dean Smith took his troops to face what was li- what is largely acknowledged um, to be the favourites for the league title this season. Mings, McGinn and Ramsey returned to the team as Smith changed uh, to a back three um, with Ollie Watkins and Danny Ings um, partnering up front for the first time this season. Lowne Bailey, Bertrand Traore and Morgan Sanson all returned to the bench as well. Um what did you make of the lineup and the system obviously get going for the uh the 352 i think it was and um what did you make of uh, exciting options I amongst i got the it subs right
2: i got it right so i was happy <laughs> no um i did I did. I I pled with Dean Smith last week. I said, Dean, it was a personal appeal. It was one of those things where you reach out and touch the screen, although this is audio, so you can reach out and touch your earbuds. And I said, Dean Smith, please play a 3-5-2 in this game. Strangle them. Ali Watkins or Danny Ings will will grab a goal and and maybe we'll do it like that. That's not how it worked out, but it was the right formation for me. I think that we're going to see that again uh, in the games coming up, probably away at Manchester United for sure and in other big games away from home. I think that the formation worked overall, which is obviously difficult to say after a 3-0 defeat. But what we did have, which we've spoken about in detail over the last couple of weeks, is exciting options from the bench. Again, I can't be clear on this. Villa fans, we're going to have to get used to having big names on the bench. And when you have that, you have game changers. And we saw Leon Bailey look great. Troyore again looked great when he came on. So um, yeah, it it, it all goes well for the future. Although obviously the result on on Saturday was not good. I think the 3-5-2 is definitely a viable option for us moving forward. And not in every game, but definitely in certain games against the bigger teams. I think we saw enough against Chelsea to suggest it can work
0: it was an interesting one I I, I couldn't watch the game live so I was on my phone saw a starting 3-5-2 and saw the goals rolling I was like ah Villa away performance we haven't played well then I came back and watched the game and we were phenomenal in a 3-5-2 I think I I looked up the stats we had more shots on target in this game than our previous two visits to Stamford Bridge yet we lost 3-0 another week we win that game and I don't know, 3-5-2 always on paper feels like a negative formation, but we played it really positively and I think it made the most out of the assets we've got at our disposal. I think mean, what's exciting for me is it shows some tactical flexibility from Smith and and I think as the season goes on, we'll see us morphing between multiple formations, maybe even mid-game. I think maybe the problem is here is, you know, we've had an awful pre-season and now we've had an awful international break because of everything went on, the kind of farcical scenes down in South America. And I think... You know, if you're gonna have a a squad that's gonna morph from one formation to the other, you need a lot of time on the training field to make that work. And Dean Smith just hasn't had that yet. It's not his fault, not the squad's fault, but I think we look good, and I think Chelsea would have been very happy to get away with the three points they had.
1: Yeah, I have to say, I'm not a generally, I'm not a fan of 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 three at the back. I think there are teams where they clearly play it well. I think Chelsea are, are, are one of those teams, and they. It's kind of been their main system for a number of years. And I think I think it sort of lends itself to certain teams, but it's just not one that I like to see at, at Villa, not since the nineties anyway, where we did play it for a for a good few years, um, quite successfully. But um I just prefer a four-four-two. I always think defenders, um, at our level, um, which isn't the top top level, um, they 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 prefer a 442 they know where they are with it they don't have to um sort of worry too much about it whereas i think in a 3 they do get get a little a little bit there's a tendency for them to wander a little bit and and get out of position um, i'm not saying that's necessarily what happened on saturday but um it's not not really one that i like and also you know when you look at the squad it, for me it just kind of all good back to to the Euros when <clears throat> when uh, Southgate was was given an awful lot of criticism on, on this podcast as well as generally um for playing a similar type of system and leaving the likes of um Jack Grealish and 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 Phil Foden and so on out to the side. Um when in a more sort of you know, we wanted, you know, a more attacking sort of formation, didn't we? And it sort of felt a little bit like that with Bailey Traore etc on the bench but when you look at the then the performance you sort of think well it didn't really play out like that you know that we we did create problems we did cause problems and you know we'll talk about that in a little bit so you know I'm a bit I'm a bit kind of um on the fence with it really I'm a bit conflicted um splinters in your
2: backside
1: that's right (laughs) absolutely I'm a squirrel um
2: (laughs) But, uh... well, 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 the Southgate, this, I, and, and I see what you're saying, and I was critical of Southgate because he was ultra negative, but I think the difference in this system um, was Southgate plays two holding midfielders and then five defenders, and they are defenders, like the fullbacks in some of those England games weren't crossing the halfway line. Matt Cash and Matty Target were really pushing on and neither of them were particularly effective in pushing on. But that's a different story. They were up there at least. Whereas we had one sitting in Douglas Louise, and both Ramsey and John McGinn were pushing forward, um, which is slightly different to what Southgate does. So this this to me was actually a really attacking lineup. And um, it's interesting that Dean Smith did say uh, just bringing up Leon Bailey when Leon Bailey signed. And we talked about this a little bit last week when we were talking about the possibility of Villa playing a Liverpool uh, 4-3-3 with narrow strikers. Dean Smith did characterize Leon Bailey as a striker when he signed for Villa earlier in the summer. So it could be that Leon Bailey comes in to partner uh, Ollie Watkins or vice versa or, or Traore. I mean, there really is so many exciting options, as you did say, Andy. But I think that the the Southgate... The Southgate similarities are are, are not really there. I think Dean Smith's teams always try and go out to win the game, um, even if they fall short, as they did against Chelsea on Saturday.
0: I think it's a good point. I'm the same as you, Andy. I knee-jerk and don't like 3-5-2, but it was a very different 3-5-2, and I think he's put it in there purely to enable us to press higher up the pitch. Without like the dedicated defensive midfielder we were looking for, and without a two that can play together, I think you need another man at the back to to be able to push that midfield on, and I think it's no surprise that McGinn and Ramsey had two of their best games in a long while in a Villa shirt when they had that extra protection behind them. So... I'm the same, I don't like a 352, but it you know, Smith knows more than us. There's a there's a great Jonathan Wilson quote and I'm paraphrasing a bit, but formations are neutral, it's how you implement them that matters. And I think that's the case. 3-5-2 can be 3-5-2 on paper, but we could push up the pitch, we can score. It doesn't just mean we're we're bruising it and putting, you know, 10 men behind the ball. But I, as I say, it goes back to hat off to Dean Smith is, is, you know, a few different, you know, luck of the draw there. And, and we could be talking about a, a memorable Villa win. I think we played that well. And and I think he, he got his tactics spot on, which is bizarre to say in a 3 defeat.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, Villa did start start reasonably well. And, um would probably have been disappointed to go behind um, on 15 minutes as Kovacic broke through the midfield lines and delivered a a ball to Lukaku, um, who turned to Anzabi inside out, frankly, and uh, dispatched into, into Jed Steer's net. Um, talk me through this one. Um, credit to the attacking side or defenders left wanting somewhat?
0: I think that's what ninety-six million quid gets you. I mean we saw sort of contrast with Ollie Watkins, who had chance after chance and didn't put it away. I think Chelsea had three shots on target, maybe four, put three of them away. And it just shows the class and why they spend that money on Lukaku, who's an absolute phenomenon as a striker. He's gonna get a bagload of goals this year. I think it's a six-one, half a dozen the other. I'd have liked Axel to do better there. I'm not sure he did, but I, I think um i think you can't take anything away great ball by by kovacic and and just a wonderful finish from lukaku and he's gonna make defenses better than ours look like mugs this year and i think as i said it's the difference between a 30 million striker and a 96 million striker was on full display in this match
2: yeah i will i will take i will agree with one point and disagree with another daniel just for just for just for some friction here in the pod early um (laughs) <laughs> not really friction. Um, I completely agree with the, the Watkins-Lukaku Lukaku comparison. We saw the difference. Ollie Watkins squandered a couple of real, really guilt-edged opportunities where he should score. We know that Ollie Watkins, like we've said again and again on this podcast, underperforms his XG last year and he's already underperforming his XG this year. He isn't clinical enough for me and he needs to get better at that. And I believe that he will get better at that. So I'm not panicking about it. But it was as clear a, a demonstration as you'll see of Ollie Watkins is um, uh, the area where he needs to improve because all around his play was amazing, Ollie Watkins. I think he brought an absolute new dimension to Aston Villa and we realised how much we missed him by how well he played and he had that really quality Chelsea backline uh, really trembling at certain points, but he couldn't get the ball over the line. I will disagree with you, Daniel. I, I'm blaming Twan Somewhat and Konza, I think that they, first of all, in a, in, in a back three, no way should it be one on one with one ball. You know, Konza should be closer to Twanzebi, and they should deal with it together. Um, the defending was left wanting. Twanzebi gets sold too early. I think, you know, what we were always taught in school. I, I used to play at, at the back for school. Um, was you you keep him you keep him going away from goal. And you make sure that they can't shoot across the keeper. And, you know, if Lukaku then strikes that in the near post and it goes in, then you're looking at your goalkeeper or you say, fair play Lukaku, you've banged one in the top corner. The keeper couldn't do anything about that. But Twanzebi, by not, Letting, by not keeping him on that left foot has just opened it all up and, and let Lukaku roll into the net. I think it was poor from, from Twanzebi. And I'm going to be extra harsh on Twanzebi all season um, um, because, again, I, I didn't like the deal in the first place. And that is the kind of mistake that Twanzebi made, that he's making at Villa. And that's the kind of thing he's going to learn from, which is great for Man United. It's not great for Aston Villa because we're the ones suffering while he irons out these kinks in his game and goes back to Man United a better player. And we're suffering for that now, rather than if Twan Zebi was our player, we'd be like, okay, he's young, he's going to get better for us next season, like Ramsey's developed this season, you know? So that's why I don't like the deal. And I will be harsher on Twan Zebi because he's not our player. So I'm not going to defend him in the same way. And I think it was poor from him. And I think that um, he should have kept Lukaku on his left foot. And then if Lukaku scores from there, fair enough. You 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 give a round of applause to Lukaku, but you
1: don't let him chop in so easy like that and and and, and do you like a fool. I would say that um going back to the back three, um you make an interesting point about Twanzabi, but going back to the back three, um it felt a little bit when it was when the lineup was was kind of announced, um a little bit lopsided because you got the two right footers there. But Mings was kind of playing <coughs> playing on the left hand side of that three, I think. If I'm right, and then Transa in the middle and Konza on the on the right, which in terms of the 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 favoured feet of each player is is fine. The only thing I would say is that I would always want Mings in the middle of that defence, you know, and because of you know just because he's he's the um, he's the organizer, he's the he's the pivot in that in that team really in that defence. So there's probably a case for, for picking Courtney Hawes, really, on the left-hand side. Um, so obviously the pecking is established. Courtney Hawes is fourth choice now, isn't he, um, behind the other, the other three. Um, and I just, you know, I, I don't know what you guys think of that. I just think, to me, and Hawes is also very comfortable in those wide areas um, of the defence. So I think, to me, that would have been a better or you know another way of looking at it, you could you could have stuck Target on the left hand side of a three and played Ashley Young, um, who who is a more of a natural wing back um, perhaps than Target. So um, yeah, different different opinions, I suppose. But um, I don't know what you think about that.
0: I'm with you, Andy. I'm, I I prefer Ming's in the centre. I think it's where he's better and he, he tends to not drift out as much there. And and I'm with you, Craig. I don't like the sign signing for, for a lot of reasons, one of them being it pushes Hawes to fourth choice. And I think he's done nothing wrong for us in a Villa shirt. I think he's been phenomenal every time he's been called upon and doesn't deserve to be pushed down the pecking order. And... You know, you know, how long has he put up with? He's put up with being third choice for a while. How long has he put up with being fourth choice? And I think we'd lose a real asset if we lost him. Um, I mean, it's an interesting thing. I think our transfer business has somewhat hamstrung us by giving us too many choices, and I think maybe that means that Smith. You know he's always got to make an unpopular opinion, uh, choice. You play four four two, then you you know can't play a free man midfield, which is what he wants to do. Play four three three, you've got to drop Ings or Watkins, and play three five two, you can't play the wide boys that we spent millions on. So, I think the business has been great, but it, it's kind of interesting to see how it's almost done us more harm than good in these early days of the season because we're we're like kids in candy stores. We're spoilt for choice, and, and we're coming out with rainbow drops or something. We're, we're doing terribly while we're well at the pick and mix. <laughs>
2: I I don't know how I go uh, from pick and mix back to Courtney Horse, but I will try. Um, Yeah, the uh, Courtney Horse is like an everlasting gobstopper. (laughs) You can you can suck him and suck him and he'll stay all day. Oh my God, no, that, that came out <laughs> wrong. Um, no, uh, Courtney Horse, well This is this is this is spot on. And actually, I'm glad you brought up Courtney Hawes, Andy, because I wanted to mention him in, anyway in the in the Everton game. I want Courtney Hawes to play against Everton for a couple of reasons. First of all, he's the best header. He's the best header of a football at the club. Defensively, he's one of the best in the league. And That's not just my opinion. That's a numbers based fact. And uh, we are coming up against Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who is obviously probably maybe the the best header of a ball in the Premier League as an attacker. So I would play horse against Calvert-Lewin anyway. Also completely agree, Mengs is better in the middle. I think he he had a a, a bit of an abomination of a performance on the left side of the three. Axel looked a little bit... um, out of sorts as well um, at at certain points. So I would rather keep that three together. uh, uh, I'd rather it be Konza on the right, Mings in the middle and Hawes on the left if we're going to play a back three. And also the, the other point about Hawes is he's our player. So the more we play him, the more equity we invest in him, the more valuable he is to us, not only in terms of him developing into a better footballer, but also should we wish to cash in on him at some point. You know, he's he's potentially a five, six, seven, eight million pound defender, which we can get money for. Whereas again, Twan Zebi, he is Manchester United's footballer. He's not ours. We we, we we have no vested interest in 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 developing him other than, you know, for him to play the season for us. So I'd like to see Hawes as part of the back three moving forward. And I'd also like to see Hawes against Everton, but we'll come on to Everton later on.
1: I, yeah, on that, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I think this might be Courtney's last season of his contract. I'm not I'm not entirely sure I'd need to check that but um, it is but we have a I think we have an option wrong. for a year okay, so, extension yeah so you know his 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 value is um you know, probably quite low at the moment um, unfortunately but um like we said Villa Villa produced um probably their best period of play of the season um after this goal as they took control of the midfield created several chances um the best of which um, was seeming to fall to Twanly Watkins who was by and large denied by by uh, Mendy in the Chelsea goal. Ramsey and McGinn once again uh, came to the fore and Villa would have considered themselves um, quite unfortunate to be losing at half-time. Um, what do you feel was was the was the key to this type of display? Um, as it was by by no means, as we said before, a kind of round-up-the-wagons scenario, it wasn't a part-of-the-bus um, type of approach... Um, that we, we perhaps would have expected from the team selection?
2: Yeah, I think when I, I picked the team um, last year, when I, last, last year, last week, I'd said um, um, for Marvellous to play in there instead of Ramsey. And I think Dean Smith picking Ramsey over Marvellous showed that he wanted to be on the front foot. They wanted to pressurise those two double pivots for Chelsea, which they did excellently, winning the ball back. And um, I think that, It just shows, you know, again, owing to our earlier argument, 3-5-2 can be a really attacking uh, uh, formation. Brian Little's 3-5-2, which you referenced earlier, Andy, that was an attacking team. That was an exciting team. Gary Charles, Alan Wright bombing on, Uh, Draper, Townsend, Ian Taylor all pop up with a goal here or there. Obviously, York and Milosevic up front. And we also were dangerous from set pieces with, with big Hugo as well coming up from the back and England's own Gareth Southgate. So that was not a defensive team. Um, um, you know, the team that finished fourth under Brian Little was a, was a very offensive team. And um, that formation can be really, really effective when, when you play it well. It also is an effective formation for parking the bus, but that's not Dean Smith's way. That's not Dean Smith's remit and it's not his philosophy. So... I think that we can see from, from, from Dean Smith and also we can see from the development of Jacob Ramsey, goodness me, how good is he looking? We can see that him coming into this midfield is giving us a new dimension. And I think that what we're going to see moving forward is we're going to see more of this 3-5-2 against certain teams. And I think that we, again, we saw enough, you know, it sounds ridiculous to say this after a 3-0 defeat, but I feel like we saw enough to suggest that this could be really good for us moving forward.
0: Yeah, I think it's a good point there, Craig. I think the pressing was the most important thing. Smith talked about putting pressure on their sixes and tens, and I think more than anything, he wanted to give our midfielder's license to just go press them higher up the pitch, which is something Villa haven't been great at, actually. We're good at countering, good at the counter press, not good at that kind of high press. But I'd say, you know, more so than the tactics, the transformative thing for me was Oli Watkins being back. I know I just kind of blasted him for not finishing his chances, but The man sets the tone for us. When he's on the pitch, we press more, we hassle more, we're a more exciting team, we can stretch defences more. I just think he creates so many opportunities for us, both in terms of pressing and in terms of getting in behind teams, that we look like a completely different team with with him there. Not that that Ings isn't a great player because he is, he's just a different kind of striker. And yeah, I mean, seeing Ollie Watkins back and, and getting back to his best form, I think really set the tone for this performance too.
1: Yeah, so what is going on with things then? Do you think? I mean, you know, again, sort of low, low amount of touches during the game. He kind of, he kind of, um, we forgave him that, didn't we? In the first sort of two or three games, because he, you know, he he did score a couple of goals, and you know, he was looking reasonably dangerous, but he seemed to um, to fade next to Watkins. So, what was going on there? Do you think, guys? I'm going to put it down to. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what I hope it is and what I think it is are two different things what I hope it is, is Ollie Watkins and Danny Ings having never played together before, uh, really struggling to find a rhythm and not Mings, uh, Ings, sorry, not knowing quite where to be and Watkins kind of playing they weren't playing together, I think that uh, Ashley Priest in the mail said that Dean Smith uh, was giving instructions to the new coach, uh, I forget his name he was uh, the one we just brought in from Belgium uh, to, that look we need to get Mings goodness me, we need to get Ings and Watkins closer together. They were playing, it was like they were playing two different games. So what I what I hope it is, is just two strikers that are strangers and need some games to work their, their chemistry and, and and work out what to do. But what I think it is, is Danny Ings being Danny Ings. Now, I, I kind of poo-pooed suggestions last week that he's some kind of number 10 because I haven't seen it. What I did see in the first half from Danny Ings was uh, one of those times we've won the ball high up. The ball's gone to Danny Ings. He has a very simple ball to play through for Ollie Watkins. And Ollie Watkins is then cleaned through and it's 1-0 Villa. This is before Chelsea even score. Very simple 10-yard pass, no pressure on Ings, and he's overhit the ball. Any kind of real number 10 doesn't overhit that ball. It's a simple it's as simple as an offensive pass as you can get. He's not going to whip it around anyone. He's not going to whip it through anyone. He hasn't got to hit it over the top of anyone. It's along the grass, straight ball, and he's and he's and he's ruined it. He's got it badly wrong, and we've we've missed out on an amazing chance to score the first goal, which could have been pivotal because then all of a sudden, if we score the first goal, Chelsea have to come out a little bit, and then there's even more space for the likes of Watkins and Ings later on in the game. So I, was, I was disappointed. Um, but I think that that might be just who Ings is. I, I likened Ings to Dan, Darren Bent. Um, Darren Bent was a wonderful finisher for, for Aston Villa as well, helped help keep us in the league. Let's not forget that one year under Gerard Houllier. Um, but what he was not was a, a, a great all-round footballer who was going to get involved and, and, and link up the play. So um, I, I, I hope that, that Ings and me, Ings and Watkins can find <laughs> their feet and, uh, and 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 come together. Um, but. I have a feeling that this not being involved very much is just who Danny Ings is. And that's my fear.
0: I'll go one further. I'm worried about the Ings signing. I I was excited. I am excited. He's a great player. We always buy him at that price. But it, it still to me doesn't strike me as a sign in that we planned. It says I think it was an opportunistic move and we, we bought him in because I just don't see how he fits with Watkins. Yeah, everyone's talking about him being a ten, even Dino's talking about being a ten. I don't see it either. And then I I worry we have a selfish poacher type and, and someone in, in Ollie who gets in behind and no one to fill that gap between midfield and them and so yeah I, I'm worried about the inside and I can't wait to be proven wrong and he bangs in 30 goals for us and is our player of the season or something but it worries me because apart from a penalty and a wonderful bicycle kick I mean we haven't seen much from him and sure that's what he's there to do is score goals but I don't know I've not seen enough of the all round game yet to see why we're playing two up front
1: well we'll see how it goes. And uh, obviously we you know we do have options um going forward, which we'll perhaps talk about um in a little while. Um but as is so often the case with Villa, um the second half was a was a very different story. Um although initially Villa Villa started in a similar vein, Chelsea brought on um club and international European champion Jorginho um off the bench. Uh just as easy as that. And it appeared to, um and they appeared to become more fluent um, as the game went on. However, Villa were the masters of their own downfall. Um, firstly, a he- heavy ball from Twanzebi to-, to Mings forced the Villa captain to aim a back pass to Steer, um, who perhaps wasn't quite quick enough out of his goal. The, the-, the pass was, was under hit, and Kovacic stole in to chip the ball past Steer. It was undoubtedly an error, Um or even a series of errors really from, from three different Villa players. But clearly Mings has taken the burden of the responsibility for this one. How do you sum up this goal and can we try to put it into some context, particularly given the social media criticism um, that has inevitably followed in the last couple of days? The context that I have to add to this
2: is that Tyrone Mings shit the bed and, <laughs> and that's what happened. Let's not get away from that. I love him. Anyone who listens to this podcast knows that we are all, I think, I, I you know, speaking for everyone here, big, big Tyrone Mings fans, play, uh, fans of Tyrone, Tyrone Mings the player and Tyrone Mings the man, but there's no, there's no dressing it up. Yeah, it was a bad ball from, from Twan Zebi, Twan Zebi probably does, you don't play the, you know, Mings was kind of off balance um, and the ball uh, kind of missed his right foot um, and Twan probably shouldn't play the pass. Yes, you'd also probably want Jed Steer to be a little bit quicker off his line. You feel like Martinez would have been alert to that. We've seen Martinez actually slide in and tackle and, and say the day a couple of times last season when those kind of things happened. Uh, but Steer, as we know, isn't as good as Martinez. And that's not me hating on Steer. It's just a statement of fact. Um, but Tyra Mings has done it once every season, that same thing. He did it in the first Premier League season against Norwich, but it didn't matter because we won five one. He did it last season against Fulham, uh, giving the ball to Mitrovic. Ended up not mattering because we won two one. Um, but today, uh, or on, on Saturday rather, it did matter because we lost the game. I think in 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 in. I mean, we we may have lost the game anyway, but that. Put it to bed, really. Going 2-0 down to Chelsea who just don't concede goals um, really put the game out of, con- out of our reach. That, you know, for them to concede one goal is, is difficult. They were never going to concede two, and they certainly weren't going to concede three for us to win the game. So that really did put the final nail in Villa's coffin on the day. But having said that, Tyrone Mings is our captain. Tyrone Mings is a fantastic player for Aston Villa and will continue to be a fantastic player for Aston Villa. And um, the social media stuff is is, is just over the top. Um, you can criticise it. I've just said it. You know, he shit the bed. He did. I'm not going to defend it. But you don't need to get personal with it. You don't need to pile on and pretend like he's some kind of clown car of a player. This is an England international who's kept 12 clean sheets in 14 internationals for England. This is our club captain and a player who has helped drag us from the depths of mid-table mediocrity in the Championship to the promised land of the Premier League, and he also can continue to drag us forward as our captain and leader. So, yes, he did a bad thing; it was a mistake. No problem admitting that, but let's let's try and keep it uh, let's try and keep it real.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was more upset about the third goal and Ming's role in that than I was the first goal. I think the the, fir- uh, the second goal even, I think. Transevi and Steer both can carry plenty of the blame for that second goal. But, but on to Mings, he's arguably, if not the best, the most important player at Aston Villa right now. I think he is a phenomenal defender who has a rick in him, and the fact that he has a rick in him is why he's at Aston Villa and not top-four side. He is that good... And I think he's not helped by the way we ask him to play. Dean Smith wants his teams to play out from the back. We saw that. We, we want the ball to come out the back and work through the, the lines rather than lump it forwards. Tyrone Mings wouldn't make these mistakes if we were lumping it forwards. Kind of, you know, let's go back to the dark days, the McLeish, the Bruce days. If he was just lumping it forwards, he wouldn't be making these mistakes. And fans would be complaining that all he does is lump it forwards. I mean, it, you, you can't win either way. But we want to see the team playing progressive football. We want to see them play it out the back. And that's going to have some mistakes in it. Look at Man City, the best team in the league for playing out the back. Look at how many howlers John Stones has made back through the years. What does Guardiola do? Comes out and defends him says he wants him to carry on playing that way. And do you know what? John Stones got better and better. And he's a great defender who has a mistake in him. But... It's the double-edged sword you get with a ball-playing defender. They're going to make mistakes, but they're also more often than not going to put your team on the front foot, put you in control of the ball, and make you play the kind of football you want to watch as a fan. So uh, do you know what? If you're criticising Mings online, it's got nothing to do with Mings's performance. We've said it before on his pod. He gets flack that he does not deserve to get. He's he's our captain. He's a phenomenal player. He's transformed our club, and he can make that mistake plenty more times, and I'm still going to be saying that.
1: Yeah, I think that's interesting. Um you, you the comparison with John Stones, I think that's absolutely bang on and I'd i I'd, I'd go to, and compare him to, to someone like Rio Ferdinand as well, who who was also um that type of player. I think maybe like you say, the the, the, the issue with Mings is maybe um there are certain certain parts of his 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 game or his makeup um where he you know he he does get a little bit casual. Um but again that's that's part of what makes him, you know, a, a great defender in other ways, you know, that 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 ability. So, you know, part of me after the game is sort of thinking, well, you know, how do we stop this happening? Can you know, is there a way to stop Tyra Ming's needing to pass it back to the goalkeeper? You know, is there another way around that? And of course, like you say, the only way is to defend deep and and and, and play it long. Um and then you know that the whole the whole ethos of the team changes, doesn't it? And Dean Smith isn't going to do that and yeah I, it's frustrating you know it's very frustrating, but I go back to the the point I always make about means and you know what he what he offers for us in 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 positive aspects far outweigh these mistakes that 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 he sometimes makes um I think he has got away with a couple as well. There's been a couple of occasions. I think there was one um at Liverpool with with uh, with Salah, I think. Um where he's kind of half passed it back and Salah went in and 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 uh, put it wide. And then of course there was a a bit of a mistake in the the, the first home game this season against Newcastle where um how Callum Wilson has missed, <laughs> I'll never know, but you know, so there's a few that he's got away with as well, but ultimately he brings so much to that back line, so important for us. Um I can't imagine a situation where you would leave him out of of the team. So um he's gonna be there, he's gonna play, he's 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 a he's a great leader. Um and like I said before as well, he's exactly the type of, of character that I want to embody um, what Aston Villa stands for, and um, you know, uh, to me, that's in many ways that's more important. Um,
2: it, it is very important, and 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 he is an absolute ambassador for not just Villa, but but the Premier League and England. Beyond, you know, he's a a, a worldwide figure. At, you know, at this point, as an England international, it's gone to the Euros. Let's not underestimate how important Mings is. Um, but having said that, I would I, I would consider dropping him. Um, I mentioned that on on Twitter. I think I would drop either Mings or Twanzebe the same way I said in the first game after uh, Watford that I would drop target. But just because I think that we're moving to a new place now and I think that these errors should be punished by management. I think that management should say, um, you know, just as the big clubs act, you know, we've talked about John Stones, you know, John Stones makes an error, Pep will drop him for a couple of weeks, you know, or, or sometimes a couple of months. We've seen that plenty of times. And I think if you're going to be a big club, you have to act like a big club. And I think that uh, Twanzebi or Mings, you probably can't drop both of them. Um, but I would drop one of them for their mistakes on 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 Saturday. Um, same as I would have dropped target, and, and Dean Smith did drop target after his performance against Saar, against Watford. I think you've just got to st- set your stall out as a football club to say... Um, We're not going to accept you making these kind of errors. And if you do, you're going to have a seat on the bench. And I think that's part of us moving forward. But that might, I don't know, maybe that's harsh.
1: I
0: I think that's harsh because I think, as I say, I think the the management and the coaching staff will take some blame for that goal being conceded. I think it was Mings on the day it could have been any of them because they're asked to play that way. And I think... I, to me, Mings is undroppable. I think he not only embodies his team, he's the leader on the pitch. When he's not playing well, he's still the one picking people up with a scruff of their necks, making them play better. I think your point, Andy, about Rio is maybe the best comparison. Rio in his career got criticised for looking too lackadaisical, too relaxed for a centre-back. And I think if, if Mings was a kind of chest-thumping, bloodied headband kind of defender, people would let him off the mistakes because that's what they like to see, a good old-fashioned defender. And I think almost his casualness is is what attracts. His casualness and his confidence is what attracts the criticism. But that's what makes him a good defender. He's got ice in his veins. We we praise strikers when they've got a cool head in front of goal. We don't do the same for defenders. And as anyone who's played at the back, it can be pretty frantic. And you've got to have a head on you. And you've got to be calm under pressure. And I think mean, obviously he takes that too far. That's in his character. But I do not want him to stop doing that because it calms us down as a team. If he's just panicking putting the ball into touch, putting his laces through it into Ed, it invites the pressure back on us. And I think more often than not this season, he'll take the pressure off us by keeping the ball, create a chance for us, and he will, you know, make a rick. Maybe someone can keep a tally of it. So at the end of the season, we can work out how many goals he stopped, how many chances he created versus how many ricks. And I can guarantee you it's going to outweigh it.
1: I think this is the problem. I think there's been a lot of um, stats people coming out with various um things and and for me you can always with with stats like anything you know um you could you can make them, make them say what you want to say really um based on what, what what stats you look at and um for me um it's not something i'm you know i'm not i'm not clever enough to be a stats man <laughs> For a start, it's not it's not the way my brain works, um, so I you know I find that very very difficult. I understand stats are part of the game and 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 a big part of things, but you know they're there to be used um, in a positive way for for coaches and and for for teams and analysts and so on um, to improve things, not not to uh, not to put uh, montages on on Twitter of, of of a player over the course of a three year period making you know eight or nine different errors you know that's 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 just beyond the pale to me and um i don't understand why a a so-called supporter of of a a club would do that you know to to one of its own players or its captain um so vendetta for some people at this point you know yeah, absolutely. Get a hobby, um,
0: guys. Go out there, build some models, race some cars, get on your bike, do something constructive. Stop making yeah. videos of a player's mistakes over three years. We can make any player look like an idiot on YouTube, just as we can so, make them all look like world beaters. I talk think there was a, one actually. A, deal, that, oh, a Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> The Chelsea there was a Chelsea
2: fan in advertent commas that did a similar thing for Tammy. I think I saw it was trending maybe a year or so ago. they They just collated all of Tammy's misses together and put them in a video. And obviously, when you put them all together, it looks bad. Of course it does. It doesn't change the fact that Tammy Abraham was the top scorer for Chelsea two years in a row, even when he wasn't playing for the second year of that of that run. And also, you know, Tammy's gone to Italy and and and, and smashing a pile of goals. Not to mention the twenty five or six goals he got for Aston Villa in the Championship and Bristol uh, City, who were not a, a great side. So you know that you know he's a, he's a goal scorer. We all we all love Tammy, but everyone has shortcomings and everyone has weaknesses. I mean. If you're looking at strikers missing, I mean, there is an argument to be made. We've talked about Ollie Watkins' uh, misses today. There's, there's an argument to be made that Ollie Watkins' misses against Chelsea were just as costly as Tyrone Mings' Ricky, if not more. Same with the Danny Yings uh, through ball that he missed um, in, in, in the first few minutes of the game, you know, it, 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 it works both ways. You know, strikers not taking chances is costly because goals win games. Just as defenders conceding goals or making mistakes um, is, is costly as well. It, it's all costly, but Ollie Watkins, we still love him. Tyrone Rings, we still love him. They're still our players and, and we go on to, to Everton, uh, hopefully renewed and, and confident, actually, that, that we've now got some of our best players back and we can start to push on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, as we know, Tyro Mings left that ball a bit short, Craig. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, but um, sometimes you need that, don't you, Craig? Sometimes you need to leave those balls short.
2: Sometimes you do need to leave the ball short. And i tell you why. Now, I don't know how you all feel, all the listeners feel. I don't know how Andy or, or Daniel feels um, about the aesthetic appearance of the male scrotum now lots of people don't feel good about it because it is considered and i don't want to cast aspersions on the male body okay i'm not saying this is my opinion i'm just saying that people consider the scrotum to be an ugly and ugly piece of uh, body uh, 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 body apparatus shall we say so If you have a particularly hairy, bushy scrotum, one way that you might like to make it slightly more beautiful, beautify it, if you will, is by shaving it down and removing some of that bushy, unsightly hair with Manscaped.com. Because as you all know, Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game so you can enjoy the games clean and properly care for and so you can look at the grooming apparatus available to you in the performance package 4.0 which is head to toe the is the ultimate in male hygiene if you're a male and you're into hygiene you should be because guess who else is into hygiene people that you might want to be around your man parts are into hygiene which means You should be into hygiene if you want those people around your man parts. So... Have a look at manscaped.com. Look up the performance package 4.0, which comes with the lawnmower 4.0, the weed whacker, and all the formulations to round out your grooming routine, make your balls smell fresh, bring your boys back to life, and you can stay in the game for 90 minutes. You can take a break or two if you need to. None of us are getting any younger. So take a look lawnmower 4.0, the best ball trimmer ever created, ceramic. Blade, It is on the market. It is available for you. And with our deal, ladies and gentlemen, you get 20% off and free shipping with the code LAMP at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. Just use our promo code LAMP. That's L-A-M-P. Manscaped,
1: make those balls short. (laughs) Absolutely. And another man who will be looking to bring his boys back to life will be Dean Smith, particularly after uh, Villa again went on to concede another goal. We talked about it. Um, Lukaku scored an excellent third goal um, to make it 3-0. Um, I mean, everyone from from both managers, the pundits, reporters and, and a Chelsea fan um, who I spoke to uh, after the game agreed um, that this was this was. Far from a three-nil game, it was far from the thrashing that it looked. Um, so, what positives are there to be taken from this, and how how does how how does Smith um, and and the squad go about putting this result out of their minds and and to build on this performance?
0: There are positives for sure. It's uh, It was a great performance. And i I'd, I'd tell you what I'd like is a bizarro world where I can see how well this team is playing with a proper pre-season. We've been disrupted so much that it's so hard to tell if this is a positive or if it's not a positive. We will play worse than that and beat teams this year. There's no doubt about that. And we'll probably also play that well and lose again. It, it just seems to be the way this Villa team is constructed at the moment. I do have a little niggle of worry, though, which is that... If we all think back to that first season in the Premier League, how many times did we come away from games saying we were a better team, we had great chances, we didn't win it? And I just worry that that we've turned the page away from that defensive solidarity that we showed last year and that kind of mean spirit to grind out games. And we've gone back to a little bit of the gung-ho football that almost took us down, lest we forget. So... Right now, there are positives and Smith and his team will be be in the boys ear trying to get those positives there rather than the negatives. But the glass half full guy, guy in me is worried at the moment that we're reverting to type for that first season back in the league. And, you know, I'll be proved wrong. I'm, I'm a pessimist. I shouldn't be a pessimist. There was plenty to enjoy there. At the end of the day, we lost 3 0, and we've not had a great start to the season. So, uh, and you've got a tough run of fixtures coming up, too. So, look, there are positives. Dean will be on the boys with the positives. I should be thankful for it. Craig convinced me that it's all not, not all doom and gloom. Um, well, if the Aston Villa goal giveaway club,
2: which has reared its ugly head, continues, then it's going to be a terrible season, you know. Our success last season, we've said again and again, and you're absolutely right, Daniel, it was based upon that defensive solidity. 15 clean sheets was the absolute bedrock of our good season last year. So far, we have we have one clean sheet and we have conceded three goals against Watford, three goals against Chelsea and one goal against uh, um, Brentford with Ivan Tony being mysteriously unmarked on the penalty spot after a corner another unforgivable goal. Mings has given away a goal. Uh, Twanzebi has given away a goal and, um, and, and the third goal again is probably preventable as well. So we have given away at least five or six goals already in four games and that is nowhere near good enough. So if that continues, then Villa are in for problems. Full stop. However, I don't think that will continue. I do think that people are going to pull their heads out of the sand and start to get that eye of the tiger again start to understand that we need those clean sheets. The return of Martinez on Saturday against Everton is going to be really really helpful. but there are positives to be to be taken. We can look at the the development of, of, of Ezri Konza for example. Ezri Konza is getting better and better and better. Aaron uh, uh, Jacob Ramsey, oh my goodness, is unrecognizable. Remember last year, listeners, when I kept talking about Ramsey needs to play instead of instead of Barkley because those Premier League minutes are gold dust. Well, this is what gold dust looks like when you put it together. It's a bar of gold, and his name's Jacob Ramsey, and he is the reason I think we're seeing now why we didn't. Sp- spank 35 million on a midfielder because Dean Smith saw what none of us saw in pre-season and in training that, that, that Jacob Ramsey looks to be the real deal and he needs minutes on the pitch this year in order to prove that he can be the um the player that we all hope he can be another positive is John McGinn John McGinn is lean is a lean mean fighting machine he's put away the chips and the iron brew and the beer as he said himself and he's eating apples and yogurts, and, and, and he's, he's taking nutrition seriously. He's taking his training seriously. Uh, I don't know if he's got a new personal chef on the go, but we saw when our former captain, um, Jack Grealish, started to take his nutrition and training seriously, how that helped him move up different levels. And now it seems like John McGinn is doing the same thing. Douglas Louise looked back to his best. We saw flashes of brilliance from Leon Bailey um, Oli Watkins was, was, was back in the team. And again, he lacked a bit of sharpness in front of goal. But he, again, is going to really bring us forward. So there are lots of positives. And, and for sure, Rafa, Rafa Benitez is going to be worried. And Rafa Benitez won't know quite what Villa team is going to be, be put out there. And all of a sudden, opposition managers now, rather than saying, as uh, David Moyes did last year, all right, I'm going to play two right-backs and that will kill Grealish. And then we're going to beat Villa easily. Managers can't say that anymore. You've got to worry about Ings. You've got to worry about Watkins. You've got to worry about Buendia. You've got to worry about Ramsey. You've got to worry about McGinn. You've got to worry about uh, Bailey. You've got to worry about Traore. The list goes on and on and on. And don't forget our golden boy and joint top scorer, I think, my beautiful baby boy Amoir El Golsey who didn't even make the pitch on, on Saturday. So we have lots of positives to look forward. But and this is a big, giant butt. I like big butts and I cannot lie. A McGinn size butt. A gin size <laughs> butt. You cannot give away goals. If you need to score two goals or three goals or four goals to win a game of Premier League football, you are screwed. I don't care who you are, you're screwed. Not even Man City can score five goals every week. It's just not possible. So we do need to get the defence right first.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean, I do wonder whether um, the missing link. Um, in terms of that, that defence was actually sat in the stands at Chelsea um, on Saturday. Um, The the camera did pan up towards uh, John Terry. And you just think, how much have we lost um, in terms of that defensive organisation from him? Um, Now, in theory, you know, his theories should be still within the players. They they shouldn't just forget it all just because he's left the building. Um, But at the same time, just having that, that constant kind of uh coaching from from the touchline on the training pitch every week, that that attention to detail, all that sort of thing. And that encouragement as well, let's face it, from from one of the, you know, possibly the greatest um, you know, Premier League defender. Um, you know, it, it means something, doesn't it? It goes a long way. And, you know, clearly that's gone now. Um so and they're not replacing that. So that's got to come from somewhere else and that organisation has to kind of come from within that back four and that goalkeeper. So um, that's the worry. That's the worry with the defence. Um, having said that, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be all for, particularly as a match-going fan, I'm all for us going full, uh, full Newcastle circa 96, 97 and and, and, and blowing teams out of the water um, with our attacking players. It's just whether those attacking players are actually good enough to do that um every week. Um I, I I doubt it in fairness. Some weeks, yes, but um but not all the time. So um I just think, you know, that the that, that you mentioned it, both of you mentioned it. Um I think the big um positive for me is the emergence of Jacob Ramsey looking like an actual proper Premier League midfielder. I think this I think that's huge. McGinn as well, yes we we, we kind of knew McGinn had it in him. Um but but Ramsey potentially can go on to another level again. So, you know, long may that continue. Um and it's another reason why I'd like to see us switch back to a, a 4-3-3 really so we can accommodate these players um a bit better um you know and play an extra attacking player. Um but on on Saturday, it's, a, it's another 5.30 kick-off um, as Villa entertain Rafa Benitez-Everton, um, who have themselves made a, a positive start to the season. Rafa appears to have galvanised a, a fairly disparate uh, squad, and in Damari Gray, um, he has possibly made one of the, the most underrated signings of the summer. Um, Villa has sat on four points from four games, which is not catastrophic, but maybe... Uh, some way shy of of where we'd hope to be at this stage, um, so this will be a game that Smith will be targeting uh, to lay down a bit of a marker for the season. Um, you know, take a bit of a scalp maybe, and 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 show people, you know, who we can be competing with. Um, how do you see Villa setting up for this one? Any changes to the team, and and are, are you hopeful for a result here?
2: Uh, yes, I'm absolutely hopeful of a result and also somewhat confident of a result. As we're recording, it is Monday afternoon uh, where I am and uh, Everton will have just kicked off the second half of their game against Burnley, so I don't know what the score is there.
0: Nil-nil currently. I just had a little look while, uh, while Andy was leading us in.
2: There you go. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's currently nil-nil. I think that Everton obviously uh, have... The weapons that you can hurt you, you mentioned uh, Damari Gray, who does seem like an absolute bargain for two million pounds, obviously a player that uh, lots of people had high hopes for from just across the city there in uh, Birmingham, where Troy Deeney is uh, helping prop up those stands before they fall over. And uh, Damari Gray obviously lost his way a little bit, but, um, you know, seems to have, have found a patch of form. So, you know, good good for him. Hopefully he doesn't find it on uh, Saturday. And Rafa is a credible Premier League uh, uh, manager. I've got a lot of time for Rafa. There was a time where I actually wanted Rafa in charge of Aston Villa. Um, so a lot of time for Rafa Benitez. But Everton have some problems. Speaking of defenders giving goals away, uh, Michael Keane seems to be giving away a goal every single week. Um, so uh, th- that's something to look at. And also, you'll remember from the game last season, Ollie Watkins mugged Michael Keane and scored a goal uh, against uh, Everton, I think at their place. So, I think um, there are three points on the table for Aston Villa. I think we're going to see a back four again. I would probably, as I said earlier, I would drop either Twanzebe or Mings. Probably Twanzebe, and have Konzer and Mings as a back, uh, as as the two centre backs. I'd have uh, Cash continue at right back, Target continue uh, continuing at left back. The midfield three, I think, picks itself at the moment with uh, Louise Ramsey and Super John McGinn. And then for the for the front three, um, I think we'll see Buendia. I think we'll see um I would play Bailey on the left, Buendia on the right, and I would play Oli Watkins up front with Danny Ings taking a seat on the bench. And I think that should be enough to beat um to beat Everton and, and get our season a little bit back on track. But um again, the great thing is lots of options, Dan.
0: Yeah, no, completely agree and agree with Rafa Benitez too. Great manager, you know is doing a good job at Everton, but I think they're a little bit of a mirage. I don't think they're as good as their start suggests. And I think Damari Gray's the kind of player that's going to run out of steam and go, when your transfer window ends with Solomon Rondon coming in, and he's, you know, it's not been a good transfer window. So I I think they're going to run out of steam. What I think they're going to do is cause us problems, though, because they like the ball in wide areas and crossing it in, and and where Villa are weakest defending at the moment is in wide areas, when our centre-backs get pulled out there. So... I think you're right, it's going to be a barometer of, of how our season's going to go, because they're a team that if we've got aspirations of improving, we should beat at home. But it's a banana skin, and I think we could potentially lose out here. Um, as how we should play, I don't know, it's an interesting one, because it looks like they've lined up with three at the back themselves tonight, whether that's just something against Burnley or something they're going to continue with. It might affect Smith's thinking, but like Craig, i go four, three, three. I'd drop Twanzebi, I'd you know, same midfield free, and I'd probably have Bailey, Buendia, and Watkins up front. I'd be really tempted to go for some kind of four four two diamond, so I think it could be a lot of fun with this team. But against a team that crosses it as much as they do, I don't think we can. But I, I really, this to me almost feels like the start of our season. We've had almost a pre-season over these first four weeks of the season now, and I think we're going to start to see what this team's about from here. And I think there's no better game to do it in than, than a team that we're you know we're probably on a level with if not we're trying to get above them and i think this is going to tell us a lot about what we can expect but i guess you'll be there andy it's at villa park right or is it
1: yeah yeah i'll be there absolutely and um, and uh i think it's going to be a really interesting match and i think you might see um villa for the first time perhaps um a really really dominate possession because everton won't want a lot of the ball really um they go back to front very quickly like you're saying to wide areas and they they flood the penalty area you know and that's where we're going to have to be careful and when we have the ball we're going to have to use it well and 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 get it into good areas and 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 try and make it count um no more messing around you know with these half-hearted attempts at goal the ball's got to start going in the net and um you know particularly against Everton cuz they will punish us if we if we miss chances They'll do what Chelsea did as well, and they they will get into good areas, and and they've got finishers in their team. So um, yeah, it's 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 a, it's a it's one of them that could go either way. Either Villa could could really take it by the scruff of the neck and make it make the possession count, um, or they won't, and they'll get they'll they'll get found out um, by um, some fairly direct football. I think I saw a stat which suggested that Everton go go long. Um, more than any other team in the league, other than Burnley, so um, we're going to have to be ready for that. And maybe, like Craig sort of said earlier, maybe maybe Courtney H- houses a, an answer to that. Really, um, you know, maybe you've just he- changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> we we have to keep the three five two Twanzebi out,
2: Hawes in, uh, the same team except Bailey comes in for Ings. That's the way, and that way you're stopping the crosses, the supply line to Calvert lewin Calvert lewins going to be three on one. Uh, the, the wingers will have not only a fullback to de- or a wingback to deal with, but also the outside centre-half, which is going to be Konza and Horse. You're not going to be fancy, you're, you know, Demario Gray's not going to fancy their chances against either of those, you know, they kick him in the air, kick him over the stand, kick him into the Trinity Park over the road. Anyway, uh, th- uh, I've changed my mind,
1: 3-5-2. <laughs> Fair enough yeah i mean it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world and i do think um it is a game for 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 courtney potentially um so we'll just we we'll we'll, we'll we'll see on that um but then the we'll talk briefly about the the game coming up fairly close after that next wednesday um villa again make the trip to to London's west End um not for a night at the theater but to again face the european champions Chelsea um in the Carabao cup it is a very, very difficult to, to kind of preview um, this match too much because we don't really know um, what Dean Smith's approach um, will be to the Carabao Cup this season. Obviously, we've had one game against Barrow where he, he did play a, play a second string and a number of young players, and they did extremely well and won six nil. Um, but given this game is sandwiched between obviously the Everton game and then Man United away um, a week later and on the Saturday lunchtime fixture um we we we've no no way of knowing really how dean smith is going to um is going to approach this game however the question is how w- how would you like smith to tackle this one um given that obviously this could this cup could provide an opportunity for some long overdue silverware if, particularly if we got past chelsea um and chelsea themselves will almost certainly um select a weaker team
0: yeah, I mean, you're talking about a night in the West End Will we see understudies or the star attractions. That's the, the question. I kind of,
1: hey, there we go, there we it's go. It's an
0: interesting one. I think realistically <laughs> we're not threatening the top six this year, so we should go all out in the Cups. Who doesn't like a good Cup run? It's kind of, you know, we've not had much luck in finals recently, but I'd like to see us get there. And I think on Saturday, kind of Smith... Maybe wrote the blueprint for how to beat this Chelsea side, so maybe I'll have a chance to fine tune it in ten days' time. As you say, weaker team probably from Chelsea, and a real opportunity to go there and, you know, put us along along the path to Wembley. Um, will he actually do that? I don't know. We're, the fixture computer hasn't been kind to us. We've got a horrible run of games coming up, and this being in the middle of it doesn't help. But it could be an opportunity for us to see this this strength in depth that we seem to have developed as you say there was you know, about 100 millions worth of talent on the bench for us at the weekend those guys can come in and, and stake a claim for a place in the team and we can we can finally see that competition for places um I want to see us go all out though name our strongest side go there perfect the template we we put into place on Saturday and and go through to the next round so I think it's our best chance of European football this year
2: I 100% agree um I think that you have to consider the context. The context is we've had an absolutely abysmal preseason. These players haven't even played together. So you can treat this as kind of like a, a competitive preseason season. Uh, 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 opportunity here. This is an opportunity to get the best players out. M- this might be the first opportunity we have, or the second opportunity to get all of our best players out on the pitch um, after the Everton game on, on on Saturday, which was will presumably be the first opportunity. Although Dan might say, without Trezeguet, Villa's fir- you know first eleven is is not anywhere near its best. So
0: severely weakened. So
2: <laughs> this is literally the, the game against Everton and the game against Chelsea are the first chances that we. Have have to see what Dean Smith believes to be a strongest 11 the first time all season so it's not like players have played a lot of games Buendia's been missing Bailey's been missing Watkins has been missing everyone's been missing so McGinn's uh, missed a game Ramsey's missed a game so Absolutely, let's play the full-strength team. All the players need the minutes. They need the minutes together. No one should be tired at this point. So let's try and beat Chelsea and, and get into the next round and have a good cup run. Because let's not forget, it's not only the prospect of a trophy, there's also the carrot of Europe uh, you know, at the end of the rainbow. And while I'm mixing metaphors there, um, I think we should go all out attack to try and beat, uh, beat, beat Chelsea um, and also get one over on. Ross Barkley, who no doubt will will play and be jogging around at, 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 his, at, at the kind of pace he was for us at the end of last season,
1: hopefully, and we can capitalise on that. Yeah, absolutely. I hadn't thought of that, actually. Yeah, he probably will play, won't he? I, th- I tend to agree. I think it will be a strong team. I don't think it will be the strongest team. But there's certainly scope for um, players like Bailey, Traore, um, Sanson, you know, to really get some minutes and get you know get get a bit of fitness together and and for us to kind of hone some kind of style of play really. So, you know, it might not be the the absolute sort of first choice, but the other thing I I think is you know surely at this stage of the season, you know players are capable of of, of playing more than one game in a week. You know, they, at the end of the day, this is what this is what players have to do, and if they qualified for Europe. You know they're having to do that every week. You know, playing Thursday, Sunday every week. So, you know, I, I, I don't, um, I don't subscribe to this idea that players need a rest. I don't think they do. I think you you take players out of the team in order to give other players minutes, maybe, um, and an opportunity, but but not not to um, not deliberately to rest players because I I think at this stage of the season, if you're resting players, you're doing something wrong. Um. And I want us to see. I want to see us, you know, try and try and get past Chelsea and have a run at this cup, um, and you know, try and get back into that final because um, it's a real. You know, we, we need to be looking at that now. We need to be looking at silverware. Um, so yeah, I I'd, 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 I'd agree. I don't. I think there will be players missing, but I I think as well, um, it's a really good opportunity to 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 really get. Get a good 90 minutes into into some other players. So um let's see, let's see what happens. But just before we finish, we won't predict that game. But um prediction for the um for the Everton game on Saturday, Craig first.
2: Aston Villa two, Everton nil. Oh nice.
0: I was gonna go two-nil, now I have to do something different. Villa free, Everton one.
1: Right, <laughs> okay. Okay, so I've been left with the scraps. Do I go four one yeah. or one-nil? <laughs>
0: <laughs> 4-3 you wanted your, <laughs> 4-3. you wanted a I'd love it Keegan moment oh, maybe yeah, we'll have absolutely. that champagne
1: football for you Andy yeah maybe maybe I mean that would be great wouldn't it 4-3 that's like a proper classic Everton game Villa Everton game from that, that O'Neill Moyes era where all the games seemed to have four or f- four or five six goals in them didn't they um,
0: Maybe we'll dust off Ashley Young behind the striker like he did. Uh, was that at Villa Park? or Was it away when he played the ten and just yeah, took yeah. control of the game? Yeah, he's, well, I'd he's like to see it, that again.
1: He's done it a couple of times, but I think um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. He'll he'll have fond memories of playing Everton. I, I would have thought. Um, no, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go three two. A conservative three two prediction. <laughs> <laughs> for that one. Um, but that's all we've got time for t- today. Thanks for joining me today, guys. Um, really good to-, to discuss all that, all those uh, issues. Um, if you enjoyed this and you-, you want to follow us on social media, then head over to Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Um, search under a gas- gaslit lamp and give us a follow. And also head to the website under a gaslit l- oh, underagaslitlamp.com. Um for all the latest um, articles and writing on the villa team, the Villa women's and the academy setup as well and also if you want your manscape products, if you want to keep your balls short like tyro Mings, um head to manscape.com um, and use our code lamp for 20 percent off and free worldwide shipping. but other than that, if you go into the game on Saturday, and if you go into chelsea next week enjoy the game stay safe and up the villa